Hello, welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This podcast is brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of training materials, quick tips, and other resources. My name is Curtis Winkle. I'm here today with area sales manager, Ryan Spangler, and account manager, Will Swetnam in our Oklahoma City studio. How goes it, fellas? It's great. It's going good. We're talking about customer questions. This is our customer questions episode. So you guys have uh, brought some questions that you're going you're gonna to challenge each other with, I think. This is kind of a throwdown. So oh, okay. <laughs> that Will is not ready for. Run the gauntlet, um, okay. So, Will, do you do you want to start with a question or do you want to answer? These are common customer questions. Mm. I'll start. You're not Will. Mm. Mm. I'll answer. Okay. Hit me, hit me with something. All right. So, Ryan, you're going to start with a question. All right. Uh, where do you find the CV for valves? So that's going to be on our website, and that will be specific to the valve itself. And so if you know what valve that you have, you'll go to that specific page and then that will have the flow chart with the CV values. So it's pretty good. Ding. It's all on our website. That's, yeah. Okay. One point will. One, one for okay. one. Now, now, does that have to do with the sizing calculator at all? You can get it from the it sizing can. calculator. Yeah. I think if you know your parameters and are able to, to get what you need to get the valve you need, then once you pull that valve up, you can see your CV values okay. on a chart. So they could do it either way. If they know their yep. CV already, they could go to the particular yeah. valve. Yeah, or like he said, you turn, you, you put whatever valve it is in the search bar, pull up the, the specs, um, and it'll tell you the CV values. Is that why that question would come? Yeah, I think, you know, most people, are, our website's pretty easy to use. Uh, and then there's some that, you know, they ask is, where yeah. do you find that? How do you come up with that? So Yeah. yeah. And you can also use our catalog. If uh, some guys in the field, some more old school guys will still keep and maintain a catalog and yep. you can, you can find it there too. Yep. So very cool. All right. Who's next? Can you disconnect the R2L from the valve body? Yes. So you might want to tell them what all that is first. Okay. So an R2L, the R, it's, it's an acronym. It stands for rotary to linear and it's essentially an adapter for a valve con electric actuator. So the actuator functions, has a rotary function, and our valves use a linear stem, so you have to convert from rotary to linear, hence the R2L. And to answer your question, yes, you can. Um, you would have to do that if you're either changing it out, if you're changing the, the... So the R2L will bolt to the valve body itself, and then the, the actuator will bolt on top of the R2L. Yes, yeah, so you'll cut so, power... Remove Valcon. Yep. Uh, remove YHO by four bolts, and then the coupling block. Why w- w- to do preventive maintenance, or what? Why are they doing that? I don't really know. It's uh, uh if you talk to product applications, that's one of the the big ones they get asked. Just kind of take off the R2L. So we are releasing our own Kimray manufactured and designed electric actuator in Q3 of this year. Uh, as long as we don't have any unexpected supply chain issues. It's kind of a buzzword nowadays. Everybody loves supply chain. But uh, that's the plan going forward. And it is has been designed to do everything that all of the actuators on the market currently do and then some. So I think our engineering team did a fantastic job designing it. The I've been a, I've been able to be a part of a few of the field trials and all of the questions that were asked 
they had already answered that question with a feature on it. And so I think it's going to do really well. I think it's going to fit our market. And that's been one of the main challenges with other actuators is that we've essentially had to adopt actuators from other industries and make them work for our applications. Most of the ones that you see in the field, they were either made for some type of industrial automation, some type of hydraulic scenario, things like that. It hasn't been actually designated and designed for what we do. Is there is there hesitancy or is, it, what, is there a familiarity or comfortability with it yet? Yeah. With electric products Yeah, I would say there are with, okay. with certain operators. Um, guys in the field that are using them, they know how to use them. The ValveCon's really easy to use. It's easy to set up and, and, and program. And so as long as it fits the parameters that you're working with, if it's, if it's fast enough, if it responds the way that you want it to, if it has the inputs that you're using, then, then it, it does a great job. Cool. And so okay. I think it's a good fit. And um, What about you talking to engineers? How, how, do they have questions about electric? actuators yet we haven't pushed it pushed yeah. it very hard um just because we're waiting for our training as a team mm-hmm. um to learn the, the ins and outs um and so and then obviously the the release date we don't want to push it too hard and then yeah yeah uh, not available so just waiting for the for the training to come get some in our hands for demos and that we can actually show customers and then we'll we'll get after it well producer denny and i are, are working with alex on some videos right now and it's they're going to be special I'll just That'd tell you awesome. that much. Yeah, Ryan, you got more? Yeah, I got one more. Question guy today. Can you use the same floats on the Gen Three as the Gen Two? Yes, you will use the same displacer for the Gen Two and the Gen Three. It's the same options. Well done, three for three. Yeah, I think it's just a they've created a product that's a plug and play with what we already have, but just gives you better options, gives you better control. Um, smaller footprint uh but anything that you use the gen 2 on right now you can use the gen 3 and so we're talking about the gen 3 liquid level controller uh not a radical departure from the gen 2 but a lot of improved features and, and options smaller footprint but the same displacers work is is what you're saying that's great all right will what is kim ray doing to tackle emissions challenges Multiple things. Um, we're working on a electric uh, level controller. I don't know when that's coming out. I know they're designing it right now. Uh, when it comes to emissions, we've got non-vent, so any of our standard uh, valves can be changed to non-vent with, with a package. Um, and then we've also got outside supply, so if you've got supply gas on location, we're able to change standard valves to outside supply. Yeah, Jeff said uh, those non-vent, Kits are selling really, really well. People are yeah. really liking those. Yeah, and I think I think a big one. I think we might have talked about this a little bit ago, but we've uh, recently acquired a new machine that'll do pre-bent tubing. And mm-hmm. so before this, when we sent out our non-bent kits, it just had it came with straight tubing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys in the field had to bend it. A lot of times they were crimping it. A lot of times they couldn't get it exactly where it matched up. And so coming out of our our locations now, it'll be pre-bent, uh, just plug and play, easy to go. What, either of you guys, Will, you may know this too. What, what's uh, on the bending? Because we've been talking about doing a, a video or some content around tube bending. Do you think that'd be valuable? Do you see people run into issues with that often? Or is it just new people? Or Yeah, it's kind of hit and miss. Bending tubing is more of an art than anything. And 
I, I feel like guys in the field, some they either have it or they don't. They they tube up a valve and it just looks great, looks factory built, and then other times it doesn't look so great. And so. it's it's not about like is it about like how long they've been. Well, I think the biggest it? thing that we've seen, and Will can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I think, you know, being here as long as I have, I think the guys that have the tools to bend it mm-hmm. do it correctly. It's the guys that are don't have the tools, so they're bending it over a two-inch pipe or they're building it over or bending it over a tailgate. That's when you get into the problems. Mm-hmm. Crimping it. And, yep. Yeah. Okay. I would say most of the time guys have the tools in the field to do it. It's from our end – it's more supplying the convenience. They're ready to go. We're saving them time. They don't have to keep sticks of stainless tubing in their truck, and they can just plug and play and go. Okay. You're so. talking about expenses. I mean, they're mm-hmm. having to pay somebody to go out there and change them, and right. instead of it taking 30 minutes, it's going to take three or four minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. So With the pre-bent, yeah. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. with, the, sure. with all the ESG movement, you're going to have you know plenty of companies going in changing hundreds of valves mm-hmm. um, instead of – you know, it being a six-month process, maybe it's only a two-month process. Yeah, oh, that's super cool. Have Have you heard yet dates on the on the pre-bent tubing? I know that they had uh, ran it through testing. It had passed all the quality and testing, and I think we were waiting for the machine to get put in place here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. yeah. So I would add to the to the emissions. Yeah. Topic. I would I would say that that's not a. That's not really a black and white question that mm. needs to get answered. It's really helpful for us to be able to partner with guys in the field, with engineering, um, customers as a whole, to, for us to be able to go in and look at the application and see what they have. Because a lot of times, one solution that will work for one problem won't work on another one because the parameters are different, the application's different, and so... I would just encourage anyone that is facing those challenges to get with your local rep and work on it together mm-hmm. to look at the situation as a whole. So, yeah. so one thing we're doing as a sales team, kind of uh, to his point, is we're looking at um, doing what we call an audit, location audit. Yeah. And so yeah. guys, customers that want us, if they're getting into this ESG and trying to figure out how not to get fined or Uh whatever, we can go out there. One of our reps can go out there. We can walk through the whole application with them, their whole location, and go, hey, I think A could be better. I think B could be better. This is what we can do. And so we can do audits like that as a a company. Yeah. Have there been any scenarios like you're describing where they think they need to make a certain decision, but you you walk with them and and you go, I think this is actually the the wrong way to go? Sure, yeah. Sometimes it, it can kind of go multiple directions, but sure. I've seen it a few times where the customer will think that they need something that is actually more expensive than they actually need, and we can come in and, and show them another option that they weren't aware of and or make work what they currently have. Yeah. And that's one way that as a team we try to provide value is if they're not required to buy something else or change their piping Oh, yeah. or anything like that. That's part of the partnering so that we can look at the application and show them what they need versus what they think they might need. We were just talking with Tommy Bruce down in Texas last week, and he was saying that one of the most common things he sees is oversized uh, valves. And, mm-hmm. and For people, sure. Yeah, it's six inch. We're in Texas. We need the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's been able to save a lot of 
money for, for folks that way. For sure. Yeah, I think you get into a, a situation where when they first come online with the with production, you know, they've got high flow, and, and so they they need a bigger valve, and then as it teeters off, they're not changing that out to to meet the needs of what the it's producing, and so you get into the oversized valves. All right, anything else today? Other questions, Will? Yeah, I would add to that the oversize yeah. on specifically with stem-guided high-pressure control valves. I run into scenarios a lot where customers will have the wrong trim type Mm -hmm. so they may have they may have linear trim when they're trying to throttle gas or they have um, an erosive water dump application and linear is kind of a jack of all trades and they're not aware that we have snap trim that's really good for erosives and we have equal percentage trim that's really good for throttling gas and so being able to have that conversation and and show them the different options along with the sizing because they, they may be oversized. They may be undersized. Sure. But until we go and look at it and and work on it with them, then. Yeah. yeah I know we, we made a really pretty simple video with Breck on, on three types of, of valve trim mm-hmm. a few years back. We probably need to remake that one because he's, he's aged a lot since then. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but it's pretty good as far as, like, explaining the, the, the three separate types on those high-pressure control valves. Right. Anything else on your mind? Oh, there's a lot of things. It's, it's about product related, but it's spring. It's it's beautiful out. You've been out uh, in Western Oklahoma today helping. Yeah, helping customers. Um, downtown Oklahoma City. You've been downtown Oklahoma City. It's nice there too. You'll see a lot of wildlife there, though. I had a good steak. Oh, okay. Where was that? Cattleman's. Wow. You probably need a nap. Did you bread with it? I did not eat bread. Okay. Healthy lifestyle. Okay. Well, we'll link to Cattleman's. And, uh, <laughs> well, what'd you eat today? Um, I ate enchiladas. Okay. There's a Mexican well restaurant too. in Hinton that we went to. So All right. it was good. Okay. I had tuna. Uh, then he's eating vegetables. With fruit at three o'clock fruit and three then o'clock. the junk box at four thirty. <laughs> Cause he's still hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, We'll link to the videos and resources that we mentioned in this episode. There's going to be several uh, down in the show notes. We thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production.